talk about real trigger moments, real reasons that a freelancer should actually consider raising their rates so that they know they have some actionable advice coming out of this episode. Instead of just like, raise your rates, raise your rates. It's like, no, if this happens or if you're seeing this in your business, you need to raise your rates. You hit it. I mean, there has to be a reason. You can't just raise your rate just for sake of raising rate or just because someone told you to raise your rate. Like there has to be a reason. Hey there, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. The journey from freelancing to running your own agency comes with its own unique set of challenges. Challenges that Clay and I have both faced while building our own successful businesses. And on this show, we sit down with freelancers and agency builders like you for value-packed on-air coaching sessions with one focus. Taking your business from freelance to founder. We'd love to have you join us on the air for an upcoming episode. To learn how to get your free coaching sessions like the guests you hear on our show, visit freelance2founder.com and click on the microphone icon. We are here and ready to help you take action in your business. In today's episode, Clay and I talk all about pricing, what to charge, and when to raise your rates. We explore two very different pricing models and reveal five triggers you should watch for to signal it's time to raise those rates. If you've ever wondered if you're leaving money on the table or asked yourself if you're charging the right amount for the work that you do, this episode is for you. So stick around. We're going to get into it right after this quick message from our sponsors. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. We wanted to riff today on something that we get asked about all the time and that we have very strong opinions about, and that is raising your prices. Clay, thanks so much for being here with me, man. Welcome. I am always happy to be here. Such a pleasure, <laughs> my friend. I want to hear your initial thoughts when I said we were going to talk today about raising prices. What was the first thing that came to mind for you? <laughs> raising prices is a a highly debatable topic on whether you should do it, whether you shouldn't do it, when to do it, you know. So it's. I think it's going to be a really heated discussion. <laughs> okay, good. I, 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 uh, I want to know where you stand. Then I guess let's cut right to the heated discussion. Where do you stand on raising your prices? Actually, let me tell you this. There, there's actually just two different business models. Uh, okay. I, I think there's a business model of like super high volume, low fee. If that's your business model, great. Um, then. I don't think you need to raise your fee because that is what your business model is. But I'm a, I'm I'm on the side of charging a high fee and how we, and having lower volume. So those people with lower with with uh, that want to get to that point, like they do have to charge higher fees. So, and and we see that with freelancers too, right? Like a freelancer might book, you know. Or they, they might be on a platform like Fiverr or something where they get paid 15 or 20 bucks to do something once. And they, they have to get, in order to survive, they have to get 25, 50, 100 different jobs on that marketplace every month just to just to make a couple thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah. So Fiverr, yeah, Fiverr is a Fiverr is a, a, an odd situation uh, because in order to be a low-fee, 
high volume business model or freelancer, you have to be very super, like super efficient, almost like an assembly. Yeah. Yeah, You have to be like an assembly line almost, right? You have to have the exact same process. um, And you got to be churning that stuff. You got to be cranking that stuff out. And so like things like Fiverr, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like, uh, it's standard enough. Like it's not systemized enough in my opinion, to be able to, to crank that out. And I know Fiverr's kind of, they've changed their model. It used to be like, you can get everything for five bucks, but now you can right. do add-ons and things like that. So I get that. Um, but if we're yeah, talking and about they the have, whole- They have like Fiverr Pro where you can literally charge thousands yeah. of dollars for your work. So it's, it's definitely trying to be more of like an Upwork or something where, where they're a little more higher end, but it's still like, everyone still sees it as this $5 marketplace. For sure. And and it's not the same thing. That's my problem. It's not the same thing over and over and over and over again. Um, I mean, yeah, you could be doing uh, like kind of a, a broad title. You could just be doing like design work. Yeah, you're doing design work over and over again, but it could be completely different projects. You could be doing a logo design. You could be doing a brochure design. You could be doing a website design. Like those are t- totally different processes. Um, and so like that to me, it doesn't fit that's that's almost like in the middle um it's not it's not a low it's not a low fee high volume it's not a uh high high fee low volume business it's like in the middle and i think that's where people get stuck uh yeah in 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 the game so yeah and uh, you know on the flip side the people i've seen succeed on fiverr i've been really intrigued by fiverr because it does like it gets such a bad rap and I totally get that. And I agree with a lot of the, mm-hmm. the negative feedback about Fiverr. But there are people making legitimate money on Fiverr and building a legitimate freelance business. But you're right. The ones that do it that way. So, again, we're talking about, you know, high volume, low payment freelancers, whether you're on Fiverr or not. But Fiverr is a very clear example for people. The ones I've seen succeed in this model, it's like I will, you know, superimpose your logo on a coffee mug for five dollars and they have Mm -hmm. a a, you know a photoshop action set up once they get the file from the client all they do is run the photoshop action to put it on a mug it exports the jpeg and all they do is upload it and they get five bucks and so they're able to do that you know a hundred times a day if they have to or whatever so it can start to to be this admittedly the work's not extremely gratifying i don't think (laughs) but i've you know i've seen people come up with these creative almost assembly line ideas like you've said where they're able to turn low payment into a high volume scenario where they do make a decent amount of money so i want to explore now the the opposite side which you've said is low volume but high high fees so what does that model look like yeah so that's that's more like your custom work um and you see it in this world you know your cups custom website design which is you know pretty self-explanatory you know you have to fit a design uh that fits the branding of the customer or the client um or you do uh different types of projects so you might do a website here you might do um a logo design here you might do print design um so it's it it could be you know not only is it custom branded but it's also uh different processes for for each project and so, you know, even even on this this side of the um, of this industry, this high fee, low volume, you still want to systemize your processes to an extent. But there's just there's no way you can systemize it to to fit the model of a high volume, low fee 
type business model. Hmm. And so because that's, that's what I because mean a that. client's not going to pay you twenty grand to develop a website that that then you're going to turn around and like get a template and or a word you know a WordPress theme or something and customize a few things here or there and they're going to be happy to pay you that kind of cash. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so and so on this scale of extremely high volume, low price, which which, you know, I would say is like superimposing a logo on a mug for five bucks. That would be hopefully high volume, but definitely very low price. And then on the complete opposite side of the scale is like, you know, a 20, 30, 50, hundred thousand dollar website or something that is completely custom built from scratch just to the nines in terms of quality where on that scale do you tend to fall in the businesses that you create and run or have created and run in the past? Like, where's your, where's your preference point? Um, I, I like to dabble in both actually. Okay. Um, and, and it's in the, this. So let me clarify. I, I tend to lean on the high fee, low volume. Um, that's where I make most of my money. And that's where I spend 90% of my time. Now, the 10%, the 10 to 20% of the time, I have other businesses that I own that cater to the low, the low fee, high volume. So I, I own a web, a web agency where it's, it's, I, I have a library of designs that, pe- that I designed um, that people can choose off the shelf and I plug and play. But it's, it's, it's low fee, but I have a much higher volume there. And it's not satisfying work, but it's it's definitely a money maker for me. Um, but the satisfying okay. work for me is is the consulting, right? I do a lot of consulting, and so that's a super high high fee, low volume. Like I only take on five consulting clients at any given point, and so it's yeah. it, it, it's a there's a pros and cons thing too, right? There's like the I think the uh, the high fee low volume it takes up a lot of time um, and I think it's more finite and and less scalable but the 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 high volume low fee you know if you refine your processes you, you can scale that thing as big as you want of course you got to add on some probably some human capital but I like to I like to have businesses in on both realms because I I, I'm a salesperson, and so I like to be able to sell something to no matter who I'm talking to, that fits their situation. Right. Yeah, yeah, I love that actually. I, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of freelancers turned agency builders who got started that way. Actually, they, they, um, they sort of started diversifying their offering instead of just raising their prices. They kept some of the lower options that they had before and added on a higher price option that some clients took on and mm-hmm. some took a lower. I mean, would you recommend that sort of thing? I know. I know you started, so I, uh, you know, if people haven't haven't heard your most recent interview that I did with you, I know your journey started with taking basically any job you could get just to put food in your mouth, as you put it, and then at some point you decided to charge more, but at, but also at another point you decided to charge a flat monthly fee for your services. So I'm kind of interested in how that journey has impacted your your thinking about pricing. Yeah, so I so I want to first clarify to like. I what like dabbling in both of those those different business models. Um, I have different companies that cater to each right. one, like different brands, because I, I one brand represents uh, you know the high volume, low fee, and I have another brand that represents the the high fee, low volume, and so 
I just want to clarify that because I think it's very difficult to do both business models under the same brand because a brand is known for something, right? Um, so I just wanted to clarify that, and that that's that's kind of a why. Yeah, I did that's that. that's a good, that's a good point. Like if if a freelancer is working all under their own brand, or mm-hmm. even if they've created an agency or an agency name, and there and it's all under one thing. If it's time to raise prices, does their previous brand, how does their previous brand affect that, do you think? I mean, you know, if you've, if you've charged $200 for something for five years, and then all of a sudden you start charging, I don't know, a thousand bucks for it or something, mm-hmm. I, I would, I'd be hesitant to do that myself. Yeah, I, I think there's a difference. I think there's a difference to increasing your fee versus offering both. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I agree. Yeah, because uh, like the agency that I had, I, I raised fees, but I, I didn't raise my fee for one thing, but still offered a really low fee option. Um, so I, I, there's a di- there's a distinction there. And so like, like, uh, you know, Web Ignite, that's that's my my high volume, low fee. That's always going to be known as a high volume, low fee. I'm, I'm not I, I'm not going to dabble into the, the the custom work. Like that's just what it's known for. That's what I want it to be known for. Um, but with my agency, my other agency, I I didn't want it to be known for that. It, it was it was all custom work. The reason I I charged a lower fee, and I think the the reason why others can are charging lower fees is good old econ one hundred and one. Uh, it's supply and demand, right? And so if right. your if your demand is uh, low but you have high supply aka you have enough time or a lot of time on your hands you can't really charge that much but if it's the opposite you know if your demand's high you have a lot of people requesting you but you are you have a wait list or you just don't have enough people on your team to handle the work then that's where I think you charge your or where you uh, increase your fee okay so that's an interesting trigger point for increasing your fee Mm-hmm. is when you when you are overwhelmed with work you keep getting more and more requests and people are happy with your work they keep rehiring you or maybe you have people on retainer i know a lot of freelancers it just it blows my mind the number of freelancers who just end up turning down work uh because they're they're like fully booked out the mm-hmm. the entrepreneur in me is like no 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 hire someone hire a contractor <laughs> or if if you don't if you truly don't want the extra work uh, if you don't want to manage it or have it in any way at least raise your prices so that for the same number of hours that you're working you get paid more you know you could also just increase the fee and be like I can get it done in you know in the next month but here's my fee like I doubled right. it. Yeah. So yeah, just depends on who you're talking to. Like if they're willing to pay, if they're willing to pay it, you know, it might be worth it to you. The whole, the whole goal with pricing is like finding the right balance between what the client is willing to pay and what you're willing to take for the work that needs to be done. And, and Mm -hmm. uh, I think at least raising prices just to raise prices is so arbitrary. And so there has to be a reason. Yeah. Yeah. I almost didn't want to do an episode on raising prices because it's like so overdone to just tell freelancers, oh, raise your rates, raise your rates, raise your rates, right? Mm. But if there's a, but oftentimes it's because there's a legitimate reason to raise your rates and the freelancers can't see the forest for the trees on it, I think. 
Yeah, yeah, you hit it. I mean, there has to be a reason. You can't just raise your rate just for sake of raising rate or just because someone told you to raise your rate. Right. Like, there has to be a reason. And and because the reason depends, like, so how you raise your rate and how much you raise it and how often you raise it depends on the reason. So many freelancers do get that advice from, you know, more maybe more advanced or more seasoned freelancers or agency owners or entrepreneurs, and, and they just jump into raising their rates willy-nilly. I, I think after a quick break here from our sponsors, I'd love to take the last few minutes that we have here and and talk about real trigger moments, real reasons that a freelancer should actually consider raising their rates so that they know they have some actionable advice coming out of this episode of instead of just like, raise your rates, raise your rates. It's like, no, if this happens or if you're seeing this in your business, you need to raise your rates. And then we can also, I think, touch on a little bit what you said about how much to raise. Mm -hmm. So after this quick break, we'll do that. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people calling with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, we're back. We probably have about 10 minutes left in this episode, and I really want to make sure that it's nice and actionable for our listeners because we're talking about pricing, and I've read and listened and watched so much stuff online about raising your prices that's always just like, oh, you're not charging enough. Just raise your prices. Double it. Double it again. And there's always this <laughs> just talk about raising prices, and there's no real advice on how to know when to actually do it or 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 you know what are the signs that you actually it makes sense to raise your prices. And so then I think what happens, unfortunately, is a lot of freelancers raise their rates 
price themselves out of the market because if if you've been freelancing for six months, no one's going to pay you the rates that they're going to pay someone that's been in the business for 10 years. So you have to keep all of that in mind. Anyway, I want to dive in. We're going to start with Clay on, on what's maybe one trigger point that a freelancer should watch for in order to know it's time to raise their prices. Yeah. So one trigger point um, that I would say is if you are if if your wait time, if your wait list is is high, right? So if you are booked out a couple of months in advance, then I think that's a time where you need to raise your rate. I, I don't think it, it needs to be anything less than that. Like I think if you're maybe a month out, maybe not, but I think if you're two months out, then yes, I would raise the rate. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that one one hundred percent. Um because like you said, you don't want to get too far out too, right? Uh, otherwise, yeah. you risk just losing people altogether. I, I'd say for me, a trigger point would be when a client or a customer hears your price, if they are like so happy and eager to take that price, then I think that's a trigger to to at least look at your pricing and say, uh, could I be charging a little bit more? You know what I mean? If they're just like so if they're ecstatic, I mean, I'm, I'm all about having happy customers. But if they're ecstatic about it, 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 that you're leaving something on the table, I think. Yeah, actually, that uh, you took my second point. <laughs> ah, sorry, <laughs> um, I took. No, it's all right. I, I'm glad we're on the same page here because I think that uh, so along the same point, if you are pitching prospects and it's not very difficult to sell it, then your price is too low. Your price is too low. You should, in my opinion, you should not be taking orders. You you should have some sort of effort mm. in 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 selling your product. I, just a tad, I would say, like a tad over that line of taking an order, right? Uh, uh, where you actually have to do a little bit of selling. That's the point that you need to be. Um, instead of like, you know, if you if you do the proposal or make a pitch, and someone's just like, oh yeah, that sounds good. Like if you get that all the time, uh, I agree with you. It's probably time to yeah. raise the price. <laughs> yeah, and you can keep raising it incrementally until you get more and more pushback, until you get about the right amount of pushback. Because if you raise it too much, you will just all of a sudden just get no after no after no. So you do have to be careful there. But yeah, if if people are just and if they'll say if they say things like, Oh yeah, that's no problem, mm-hmm. that's that's a clear red flag to me that I'm not charging enough. That that their company or whatever has way more budget that they were planning on spending on this thing and you totally just missed out on it yeah um i do have a third point um please so the the third point the third trigger point i would say is if you constantly see yourself dealing with really high maintenance clients ah yeah if that's the case then increasing your fee will weed out a lot of those prospects a lot of those clients because I, from my experience, I've seen at a higher fee, you do not get the high maintenance clients. You get the clients that say, I 100% trust you on your expertise and you do it versus clients that say, I know exactly what I want and this yeah. is exactly how yeah. I want you to do it. <laughs> and sometimes you're actually asking for it with a lower price because yeah. you'll yeah you'll attract the DIYers, the bootstrappers, which don't get me wrong, you know, I'm a DIYer and a bootstrapper and a lot of the things that I do. And so I'm probably guilty of this with contractors, but mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. I agree. This is a clear clear sign that you should be charging more. You will weed out those 
kinds of people. This is particularly true if you have a lot of clients this way. If you if you have a lot of business, you're doing a good enough job that you could have a lot of business of clients that don't annoy you to death. Right, right. I think raising your fee is also a really good way of firing clients. Uh, yeah. So like I did this with, with my old agency and we decided that we had too many like pain in the butt clients. And so instead of firing them, <laughs> we decided that we were going to double our fee. And we just said, hey, starting this date, the new fee is this. And if you want to stay on board, then you got to pay this new fee. Well, then they, they just weed, the, weed themselves out. They end up quitting on their own or the fees doubled, which makes it, you know, more worth dealing with that client. And so right. I, I think that's a really good way of like, of, uh, quote unquote, firing your clients. And what's really cool is like, since it's your agency, your business, you can choose who you want to do that to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Also, the math of that works out incredibly. This is why people always say double your rates, because you literally could lose any anything up to, you know, 49% of your clients mm -hmm. and still be making the same or more money by doubling your rates. Oh, for so that's sure. why so many people recommend double your rates because even if just half of your clients stay on at the new rate, then you're making the same amount of money for half as many clients, half, half the as work. many headaches, half the work. And and also you're right, the ones you especially hate working with and that are sucking up all of you and your agency's time are those are the ones that are going to leave. And so yeah, life just gets better when when you raise your prices. I, I have another trigger point, I think. Um, What's that? I would raise your rates if most of your leads are inbound. At some mm. point, you know, along the way, you'll go from doing mostly outreach, getting clients mostly through reaching out yourself, to getting clients mostly coming to you. And when you start to notice that that happens more, that's a great time to raise your rates because people are seeing your value before you're ever contacting them. And they see enough value to reach out to you and ask if you can work for them. In that moment, you are more valuable than you have been previously. So that's a good that's a good time to you know look at your pricing. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. That's uh, that goes. It's congruent with uh, the whole if you don't have to do much selling, uh, then yeah, <laughs> then uh, then your price is too or your fees too low. Yeah. So yeah, and I, the whole supply and demand thing. Yep. It all it all goes together. It all goes together. I think where a lot of people make a mistake is they're they're not one sided or the other i think like a lot of people are stuck in the middle like they're priced in the middle and hmm. so uh i think i think those people are the ones that struggle the most i think people are more successful if they stay one side or the other and not go in the middle of the road i agree i agree with that I think there are a lot of just average priced average creators out there that you can mm -hmm. just and what gets what gets hard is it's just so crowded. It does. That that's the that's the inherent problem with the middle ground is there's no differentiators. You do the same work as 30 other people for the same basic basically the same price. And so clients are just like, well, I don't know, you seem as good as anyone else. And so then you only get one thirtieth of a chance mm -hmm. just with everybody else. Whereas if you have some sort of differentiator, whether your prices are, you know, you can differentiate on price. That's fine. Drop your prices way lower and offer a stellar service and you'll get lots and lots of clients and you'll have to, you'll have to make mm -hmm. your money on scale, not on price. 
or raise yeah. your prices way up and make your money on price and just serve a few clients. But I agree. It makes more sense to be on the edges than to be right in the middle. Yeah, uh, you're you're right on. It's kind of, there's a lot of competition if you stay in the middle. So Yeah. Yeah, dare to be different with your pricing. Dare to to stand out from the crowd whether you stand out on either end. We don't actually care, but uh I think that's mm-hmm. some good advice is, is stand out with your pricing or don't use pricing as a differentiator. Use something else to differentiate yourself and then let your let your prices reflect that. You know, whether you're you know, adding even, more value or getting it done quicker or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you can even look at Fiverr right like so like not not the people on fiverr fiverr itself the company um because they started out oh yeah with, no you know, that's like, that's get, why get it's done for five yeah. bucks right <laughs> and it's but if you compare that, I mean, that yeah to, and that got them into the press and got them all yeah. sorts of attention mm-hmm. because it was so different yeah and i i can't think of any i can't think of a site that's like fiverr which uh that that uh attracted a luxury service maybe like oh. well here here's here's maybe an example there's uh uh russ perry at design pickle oh yeah so, design pickle mm-hmm. yeah yeah so design pickle like got all of this press when it started because it was this unlimited graphic design uh, you know quote-unquote unlimited graphic design for a flat monthly fee and i think i actually tried it when it was brand new and i, I did think it too. was like 79 bucks a month or something like super cheap yeah. i mean it's cheap now and it's like three or four hundred bucks a month um but unlimited graphic design for a flat fee and that got them in the news that got people's attention i i mean i signed up for it i tried it sounds like you did too mm-hmm. uh, obviously they have a huge company now um all because they had that differentiator in the beginning. And he's since then raised his prices. But again, following that idea that if he doesn't lose more revenue than he gains by raising his prices, he just kept doing it over and over and over again. So yeah, yeah I think he's I at like 700 now. Like, if really? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I could be wrong. I think he's at like 700 a month. And still a great deal because the alternative yeah. is hire a full-time graphic designer that sits in a cubicle in your company for, you know, yeah. 40 grand a year or something Minimum, instead of, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. So cool. Those are a couple of cool examples. Well, anything we should wrap up this conversation about pricing with here, Clay, I think this has been a good one. I hope we've offered some good triggers for people so they can actually take action on this advice mm-hmm. of raising your rates. What, what have we left out? Anything? Um, I, I would say one final piece of advice is uh, I would say to know your numbers in and out, um, like know your wow. know your uh, your profit margins, know your ratios. Um, I mean, know everything. If you don't have a CPA, get a good CPA who does financial forecasting, not just taxes, that can help you with this stuff. And so I, I would say just knowing that, and then also I one last tip too is. I, I I don't get why uh, this is so notorious in, in, in the freelance world. People will price something based off how many number of hours it takes to do it. It's, I don't, I don't get that. Like they say, Oh, you know, it, you should be charging, you know, $50 an hour. Well, that only take me two hours. So I'm going to charge you, you know, a hundred bucks. But I, like, to me, you're leaving everything out. What if your, your, your demand is high, supply is low. Like, no, you should be charging a thousand dollars, like even though it only takes an hour. One hundred percent. And so, um, I think a lot of people are stuck there. And I think we could fill up a whole episode talking about hourly versus project versus value based pricing. There's mm-hmm. like so much to unpack there, and it's been unpacked by a lot of people. But I think 
we could bring a unique perspective there on on this freelance to founder scale. Maybe we maybe we write that down and, and hit that up another episode because I think that could be really interesting. For sure. Also, you know, while you're mentioning it, uh, if there are freelancers listening, this is not no one's paid for this plug, but I do have my friend Andy uh, is a co-founder at a company called Harpoon, and depending on when you're listening, they're actually a current sponsor of the podcast. So I guess technically they are paying, but they're not paying for me <laughs> to say this. Um, but Harpoon does that financial forecasting. So not only will they keep track of your your books, you know, like FreshBooks does, or like any of these Bonsai or whatever will keep track of your invoicing and your books. They'll also help you forecast and 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 know what you plan to make throughout the rest of the year and then mm. make your quarterly payments. So if you can't afford a CPA yet uh, or that doesn't make sense for your business yet, of course, that will make sense later as you grow into an agency. But if you're a beginner, if you're a freelancer just getting started, that could be a really good place to start is with something like Harpoon. I think it's harpoonapp.com. Um, and you can you can check them out and and you know thanks to them for sponsoring the show. But again, this wasn't a sponsored read necessarily. They just have a really cool product. I've checked it out myself, and it's a it's a oh, good deal. I'm looking at the website right now. It looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's legit. It's a it's a good tool, so it's worth checking out. All right, man, let's wrap this one up. Uh, thank you so much for all of your advice. I think this has been really uh, really telling, and hopefully, it's added some value to people's decision making process when it comes to raising their rates. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Hopefully some people make some more money because of this. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at voices at freelance2founder.com. Let us know if uh, if you know this has been helpful, what we should have talked about. If we missed anything, we'd love to hear back from you. Just shoot us a quick email. And we hope to do a few more episodes like this where it's just Clay and I riffing on important ideas that have come up in our other conversations with freelancers. Of course, usually on this show, we do have conversations with freelancers and business starters and solopreneurs who are hoping to scale their business. So we'd love to have you join us on the show. If you think we could be helpful in your journey from freelance to founder, uh, go ahead and visit freelance2founder.com and click the yellow microphone icon. And they'll give you instructions on how to get on the show. We'd love to have you on a quick 45 minute coaching call with us, uh, sharing some of our best ideas based on our experience in growing our own small businesses. That's it for now, I think. Take care, Clay. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. See you guys. Freelance the Founder is a production of Milo. You can discover more business building resources for freelancers at millo.co. And you can learn more about Clay's business and level up your entrepreneurial skills by visiting getdripify.com. Freelance the Founder is distributed by The Podglomerate. You can check out their other great podcast at thepodglomerate.com. And the theme music was produced by Joaquim Karud. You can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. We'd love to have you join us on an upcoming episode. To learn more, visit freelancetofounder.com. That's all for this week's episode. Until next time, keep up the hard work and we'll see you soon. See ya.